you create a competitive advantage for your business by simply communicating your point of difference to your prospects. And that's all competitive advantage is. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I am Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Amber Khan, and we're talking about repurposing content. Amber Khan is a web system strategist who helps small businesses capture their prospects' attention, retain it, and then convert it into real subscribers and moolah, as she says on the website, in the bank, using the science of competitive advantage. But before that, most people probably don't know that she was a cubicle monkey at HSBC Global Bank and that she is a dark chocolate binger, an adrenaline junkie, and a Game of Thrones addict. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I can't complain at all, honestly. So let me get straight into it here. So you have two companies. Can you tell us more about those and what the difference is between Repurpose Den and Grow Business? Sure. Well, in essence, I help businesses that are solving the world's most meaningful problems stand out, reach more and convert big. At Repurpose Den, we do that by repurposing your long form content into a variety of ways and channels. And at Grow Business, we do that by following a proven customer journey roadmap that captures your prospects' attention, engages them, and converts them into subscribers and sales. So in other words, for both of the businesses, our aim is to get you more eyeballs to consume your labor of love content, more prospects to engage with, and ultimately more moolah in your pocket. So... You are talking about businesses who are already generating content then, right? It's not like teaching people how to generate content. It's taking that content that they have and repurposing it. Absolutely. So people who are already producing some sort of content videos, podcasts, blogs, or maybe even they are a speaker. So they've got content in that form. They have spoken at a lot of events. They've got content sitting or they create digital courses. So they've got content sitting in that form. In any form, they have content we can use and repurpose that content. So it's long form content and then... We turned it into social media bite content, which is accessible on every platform. And I am 100% in agreement with you that repurposing content is the way to go. We do it a lot, not as much as we should, but it's something that we're working on also because we do podcasts, right? Yeah. Like you're listening to right now. When this one is released, this will be our 88th podcast. Oh, wow. And they're on average, they're 45 minutes long. So if you do a little bit of math, there's plenty of content that can come out of it. Yeah. It's like 65, 70 hours of content. And then we've done 50 hours of live streaming in the last two months. Oh, wow. We've tons and tons of content, right? Tons of content. Yeah. So how do you determine from someone's content kind of what are the golden nuggets that you want to pull out of that? Is it like a judgment call kind of thing or do you work with your client to figure out what those are? We provide both the service. Sometimes clients say, oh, we know, uh, for example, if it's a marketing agency, usually they know their client better. 
right? They would say, okay, we'll tell you where to cut it. You know, we'll tell you where to edit the content and you just repurpose the content for us and they pass it on to the clients, which is fine. But majority of the clients that we work with, they leave it up to us because they don't want the hassle. They're like, hey, you go, here's the content. Please find the right bite-sized content from this piece of content and, and go with it. So it's basically a judgment call with us. We have content creators who would go through the whole content to, to find out the, would you say the I, I call them educational and informational bombs from that content. And then we just use that content branded for however that brand wants it to look like and reformat it for each platform. So if it's Instagram stories, you know, it's the vertical size videos and then square videos for LinkedIn, Facebook and wide videos for YouTube. So that's how the process goes usually. And a lot of that content actually works really good with paid media also. So if you're doing advertising or, you know, especially social media advertising, you need something that's going to get some attention, right? That's right. I think Basuma did a research uh, recently, was it last year? And they found out that the optimal length of content that prospects engage with is less than two minutes, whether it's audio memes or video memes, which works great for paid advertising as well, because when you have an under two minute long video, it can be perfect for social media feeds as well as for ad if you were running, say, a Facebook ad. Right. It's funny. I watched a video this morning on LinkedIn when I was sending you a message. I saw it and it was Noah Kagan from Sumo. Mm, yeah, there you go. He was talking about how he started 24 companies to get where he's at now, which is kind of interesting. But also, they kind of subscribe to that same methodology, right, is the long form content repurposing the, the shorter form content. So let me ask you this. Have your business priorities changed at all since the pandemic started? Like which content you're producing for people? Has that changed at all? I think the type of as in formats of content hasn't changed, but certainly, yes, types of content in the sense that we now understand that a lot of clients, a lot of businesses are going through changes. They have to make relevant changes, you know, during COVID and post COVID, especially if they had an offline presence. You know, our job comes in is to help them figure out the type of content they should now produce for their prospects. So, for example, let's say they were a restaurant business, right? Now, at the moment, all the restaurants are closed, right? Which means that if they didn't have an online presence and they weren't doing takeaway, they got to start doing it now. And even if they were doing it before, it's now a matter of, okay, now all their businesses take away, you know, for some time now anyway, right? And now they've got to make sure that they don't lose their existing clients just because they don't have a way or a better way to communicate with them. So now, you know, they have to figure out what kind of content can we produce to keep them engaged or if they weren't engaged before, now get engagement on it and let them know, okay, we are still in business, we're doing business and we're still producing this the same tasty food. So it, it's about making realize that what kind of content can we now produce that would engage our new audience or existing audience on an online platform. Yeah, I agree. And there's also um, from the data that I've seen coming out, it's kind of time to stop going 100% COVID all the time and maybe you know, mix in some of the messages of, you know, kind of some of your more traditional business messages and other stuff about, you know, what's coming in the future and things like that for your business and how you've made changes. And there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty still, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
uncertainty is not good for consumer confidence, right? Because confidence is basically the opposite of uncertainty. Yeah, exactly. And I think we can do that with content because as, as people are unsure, the prospects are unsure, as you say, they're, uh, they're uncertain about, uh, you know, what's happening. Is this business even open? Are they even providing service? Can they really help me? Right. And it's about ensuring that confidence in your prospects, you know, that yes, we are in, we are still in business. We are doing this. And in fact, we are doing it even better. Right. In fact, we, we're now doing this new thing, new competition, new game, something right to let them know, Hey, you know, you know, we're still on. We're, we're still doing business and we can provide you even better service. Right. So you talk a lot about the science of competitive advantage. Do you want to tell me what you mean when you say that? Yeah, sure. So basically, you create a competitive advantage for your business by simply communicating your point of difference to your prospects. And that's all competitive advantage is. And why do we need to do that? It's very simple. Nobody pays attention to another me too product or service to another plain vanilla and boring product, because that way no one will ever find out if your business even exists or the type of service you offer, because there'll be gazillion others doing exactly the same. Competitive advantage makes your business a talking point, which tells people that you exist with a difference. I cannot speak enough about how to stand out, like how how you have to make your business stand out. And I know that this is difficult for people, especially in a modern global marketplace where there's so many options. Yes, exactly. And and a lot of people think that, okay, we can be everything to everyone. And by doing that, actually, we can't stand out. How can we stand out if we are everything to everyone? It's impossible. You know, even huge businesses like Amazon, who actually serve almost everybody. Right. They started off by standing out in one thing, which they were online booksellers. That's how they started off with. Right. Nobody else was doing it. And Amazon became the online booksellers and expanded from there. Right. And that kind of is always the case. There's there's one focus and before it, it expands out. Right. You know, Facebook was a dating site. So was YouTube, actually, strangely. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. <laughs> Yeah, originally it was a dating platform. It was a video dating platform. All right. So you live in London, right? In England? Yes. Now, there must be a massive amount of competition in business there because the population is so large, right? Yeah. I don't even know what the population of London is. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. I don't know. 11 million? (laughs) So that's a lot. Okay. So that's more than the whole state of Oregon, which is roughly the size of, of Britain. But even here... If you type in like you need like somebody to come and fix something at your house, you need like a handyman or something. You type in like handyman service. There's like a 100 options. Right. So basically, here's what happens. If nobody stands out, then they're all the same because they all look the same. They're just another listing on Google that says handyman. They say we're the best experienced handyman in Portland, you know, whatever. And then you go through the list and you start messaging or calling people until somebody answers. That's how people make decisions now. And unless you stand out, right? So if all the other ones say handyman, 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 but you've seen another service of where somebody's talking on social media and stuff about how, you know, they're a handyman with a difference and they do this instead and they do this differently. And this is why, and this is great. And then you see that branding when you go to search for handyman and you go, Oh yeah, that's the handyman with a difference. I remember that guy. 
Exactly. Or they only service a specific niche. For example, I can tell you about, um, she's a friend of mine here. Maybe I'm sure you have similar companies in the US as well. In England, she started a, a female plumbing business because there were no female plumbers. Right. And uh, of course, a lot of female house owners or single moms and stuff, they, they prefer, they feel safe if there's a female they plumber or uh, any kind of laborer coming to their house to work. Right. So she saw she saw there was a market, there was a niche that wasn't fulfilled and she went for it. And now they're huge. You know? right. <laughs> they're all over the country. You know, it's funny talking about that. We were watching this show on Netflix last night. It's a stand up comedian named. Patton Oswalt is his name. Okay. And he's not the most well-known person in the world, but he was talking about after he bought a house that you get into this kind of weird underworld of subcontractors that each one only does a specific job. Uh huh. And he was talking about how everybody has like, Oh, I got a guy or a gal that does this one thing. Right. And they're like, I got this guy who does wallpaper and he's like the Michelangelo of wallpaper. Right. If you, were telling everyone on social media that you were the Michelangelo of wallpaper, everybody else seems terrible. Yeah. Because they're not the Michelangelo of wallpaper. You are. I mean, obviously you don't want to be embellishing these things and stuff like that. But just as an example, I thought it was really funny because he was talking about that with these people. And, you know, I immediately, I mean, it's supposed to be a big joke and everybody's laughing about the Michelangelo wallpaper. And I was like, I would hire the Michelangelo wallpaper all day long. Absolutely, because it, it is so specific, right? When when you're looking for somebody to do your wallpaper and you come across, you Google that and you, this is what you see, you know, hey, hey, hire me, I'm the Michelangelo of wallpaper. Or you see another ad which says, hey, we do wallpapers, painting, we do carpentry, everything. Who are you going to hire, right? You know, another kind of example that, and, and we've talked about this on the show in the past, is I had a client that we are doing work with and she was a licensed massage therapist. They call them LMTs here. And what we did is everybody says the same thing. It'll say something like Portland massage therapist, Jane Smith, LMT or something. It'll be the title. And we changed ours to her name, LMT dash. Have you tried massage 2.0? Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, what's Massage 2.0? So they click on it and we immediately have a thing that explains what is Massage 2.0. It's not even really that different than traditional massage. I mean, it's fairly different, but we're selling the difference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you this then. What do you think are the opportunities right now for businesses with content? Oh, lots of opportunities. I'm glad you asked that because I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of businesses are now thinking some of, some of them are suffering as well. You know, some businesses, for example, you know, we know airlines, industries, hotels, restaurants, bars, all these businesses are suffering because they're closed. Uh, recreational, even events businesses, right? Kids events or weddings or menus, any, any of those things. So now there's some businesses who are flourishing, like we know food delivery, <laughs> the supplement industry. That's why I recently read the statistic. I was like, wow, like everybody at home now is ordering more supplements because of the virus, right? They want to build their immune system. So makes sense. E-learning platforms, as we know, of course, it's booming because even all the schools and existing schools and universities have now moved their education, be it temporarily, to online platforms. So that is booming. So now we have to think about, okay, we know what the situation is. 
what can we do to move forward? So it's, it's about finding the cross between what you're doing and the technology. It's now time for businesses to realize how can we use the technology and what we do, the product or service we sell and create different type of content to engage with their uh, prospects or, or even reach out to more people if they have lost business and now they need to look for more leads, right? It's about finding that cross section of, but let's say you own gyms or fitness studios or even residential real estate, like, you know, you work with a lot of them. So it's about helping them find out, okay, people cannot come and view the properties for now, right? How can we do this? I'm, you know, already stated and do this, right? They do it through videos that they, they can do live videos of the property. You can even introduce live Q&A with the homeowners or land uh, landlords, right? You can even do things like that. If people cannot visit in person, okay, how can we provide the same amount of value to them by using technology to our advantage, right? I, I have actually seen I think it's a children's entertainment company. Uh, I saw their p- uh, post on Facebook. So innovative. So they provide, they go to children's birthday parties. That's the, how they provide their content and win biz- business. Now, what do they do now? So they're doing offline parties and they know that, okay, sometimes group parties don't work because if somebody is someone's birthday party, you want to make the child feel special. So they're now doing one-to-one live birthday parties for them to make the child feel special. And what, what they're doing is they send stuff in advance to the parents. So the parents are in the, uh, in the loop. They know at what gift should they take out and to the child feels like, Oh, that person has just sent me <laughs> this, you know, within seconds, he's talking about this dinosaur that was just, going to come out of this box and it actually does for example right so they're being innovative the point being that this is not the end of the road it's it's about realizing how can we provide the satisfactory experience to a consumer using technology to our advantage no matter um, whatever business we are in right now right for sure and there you see so many innovations out there right now i'm talking about the real estate one One of our clients is the all things real estate store, like a real estate supply store, but they make cuter, nicer stuff than you get at your average kind of sign shop kind of thing. Right. They saw the writing on the wall pretty early and went immediately to making signage and stuff that was like for virtual open house. And they sell something called testimonial props where you can hold it up in your photo. And they had ones that say, you know, ask about virtual open house and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then the agents were able to use those products to create that content that said, yeah, you know, you could you can view this house without physically being there. And we had a couple of agents that we know they're using StreamYard so that they can have the client and them on live at the same time and they can stream walking through the house and then the person can go back and watch the video after. Exactly. Right? Yeah. There's all these ways that, that businesses can do that. But now you got to get the word out that you could do it. Yes, yes. And that's where the content comes in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think right now is is a great time for all businesses to get online and spread the word about whatever kind of service or product they're providing, but in in a helpful way. So like I saw this company, Fregola, they do baby food, right? So they are doing, uh, they're providing baby food to moms in need. So a wonderful way to let people know that, first of all, that they exist as a company, what kind of products is this provide and that they are helpful, that they're solving a problem in a community. So it's a wonderful way to expand your reach and let people know that your business exists. 
Yeah. And there's lots of ways that you can repurpose that content, get it out to people to kind of encourage your message, create that brand goodwill, you know, where people see stuff and they when they have a positive emotion about seeing those things, they see your logo, right? They see your company name and they associate those feelings with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't work if you only do it once. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, as we know, social media posts disappear very quickly from the timeline. I think from Twitter, it disappears in 18 minutes. Facebook, five hours, you know, Instagram, another eight hours, something like that. So basically, you know, you shouldn't let your content die when your post does. This is what I say to everybody, because that, that would be an you know atrocity. You have spent so much time and effort creating that piece of content, whether it's a blog post or a podcast interview or a video that you have shot, right? Why let it die after eight hours or four hours whenever the post disappears from the timeline? So use that content until it, I say, you know, squeeze every drop of juice out of it from your one piece of content. Squeeze every drop of juice out of it, whether it's you create lots of tiny marketing videos out of it, whether you create image quotes out of it, whether you create audio memes out of it, whether you create a blog post out of it, you create a presentation out of it. There's so many ways you can repurpose it, but do it because you've spent so much time creating that one piece of content. Now make use of it and spread it, sprinkle it all over social media over that time period. And when you have that content being spread out on multiple platforms and multiple times per platform, you get this residual SEO effect from it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've seen this data not only live, but recently, and I've analyzed content for a company. One of the things our company does is SEO audits. So we're doing an SEO audit for a company that does affiliate marketing and they have really, really good content. They, they take items, they use them out in the field, they, they field test them, and then they have their own photos and videos and reports and stuff all about this product that they're affiliate for. And they rank for some high, very difficult keywords. Some of them they don't. There's no difference really in how they generate the content. So they wonder why they're ranking for some and some they're not. When we analyzed it, the ones that had been posted and shared more often between Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitter, the ones that were shared on those four platforms more often had a higher ranking than the ones that didn't. When the content is the same, the backlinks are the same, the domain is obviously the same because it's all on their own domain. So when all the other things are the same, it was the amount of sharing that made the difference. So don't let anybody tell you that social media doesn't affect your SEO. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Wow. So it's, I guess the higher engagement uh, makes them rise in SEO search as well. Yeah, the higher engagement, especially sharing. And, and a lot of people don't know this. When you look at something like YouTube or Pinterest, they're not really so people kind of group them in as social media platforms. But Pinterest is a search engine. And so is YouTube. Yeah. And YouTube is, but YouTube's kind of more of an OTT platform. It's like... <laughs> YouTube is more like Netflix than it yeah. is like Pinterest. Yeah. And Pinterest is more like a Google search than it is like Facebook. And the life of content on there, you're talking about content life, like seven, eight minutes on Twitter compared to seven, eight years on Pinterest or YouTube. Mm. So, I mean, you've got this, this huge variant of lifetime usefulness on those platforms. But that doesn't mean that putting it on Twitter is, is a waste of time. Because as we said earlier, right? 
the places that had more backlinks from more platforms perform better. So it's still valuable. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I guess it depends on what type of business you have, as in where your audience hangs out most as well. For, for B2B businesses, a lot of them, Twitter and LinkedIn seems to be a very good platform to be on and to engage with their prospects. And for some others, maybe Pinterest is more a more better platform uh, because they, if they are, let's say, an art and craft business, they would find more of their prospects on Pinterest than probably on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're B2B and you're, you know, selling like, I don't know, metal crushing machinery or like, you know, plastic manufacturing tools, Pinterest is probably not the best place for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Obviously, you're going to need to know where your customers are and, you know, who, who, who's on which platform. And if you're selling aircraft parts, TikTok's probably not where you should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one thing that I think is, is super interesting in this space also, and I had heard you talking about it a bit on because I heard you on the Billionaires and Boxers podcast. That's Phil Palucci's podcast because I had him on the show, right? I had him on my show and then I've been listening to his and I heard you on there. So I reached out to you on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's right. What I find interesting is LinkedIn is such a great connector if you can do it in a non-sales way. Yes. Like I didn't come at you on LinkedIn and be like, Hey, how you doing today? And then wait for a response and have an automated message that is like, Hey, we should connect sometime so I could learn about your business. And then, you know, where I was like, Hey, I saw, I heard you on Phil's podcast. Do you want to be on my podcast? Just be upfront about it. So what are you seeing on, on content on LinkedIn for your clients? To be honest with you, I only started becoming active on LinkedIn this year as well. Before that, I was concentrating on Facebook. And I found that if you're selling digital products like digital courses, because it was more B2C, it was, it was a better platform. 100% it is. As I moved more into B2B as providing a service, which is not a course, I thought that, you know, I'm now going to figure out or look more into LinkedIn. And it turns out that LinkedIn still has very good organic reach, which isn't the same for a lot many other platforms like Facebook. Especially it's more a pay to play platform now. But LinkedIn, you, you still have got a lot of reach. So if you are consistently engaging with with your prospects, your dream 100, your best clients, which means you you are commenting on their posts, you're liking them, commenting, and honestly engaging with them. You know, that can literally, even if you're not posting your own stuff, don't even worry about it. If, even if you're not posting your own stuff, it can really get you noticed. And of course, if you are constantly producing your own content, even better, you know, so that way they, they can reciprocate. You engage with your prospects. And of course, at, at some point, they will uh, start engaging with your content as well. But I, I found that having honest conversations and being helpful from the beginning. So, for example, if you have a dream client and you're thinking, you know, how do I get the attention of this person? And I know that I can solve their problem. Of course, you have to know what is their their problem and that you have a service that can solve it. And if you do, then maybe solve it for them first, you know, give, give them a tiny taster of the solution to grab their attention. I've been doing that on LinkedIn. I found it very successful rather than because, you know, if you're targeting
managing, say, CMOs, CEOs, they don't have time, even if you're engaging with their posts, liking their posts, commenting. If they have 500 people doing that, it's hard to get noticed. And it's probably somebody else managing their social media anyway, right? So it's about grabbing their attention in a way that provides value to them. It could be different for different people. But for me uh, personally, it's, you know, I do have a free service, which is like a taster to my bigger service. So I do that proactively to get their attention. And, and other businesses can do exactly the same. For example, let's say they are a WordPress coder, right? They are a developer. So they, they can, if they know their client, they would know what kind of problems they're facing. And they could take a tiny little bit. Maybe they could look at their website and say, oh, you know, maybe uh, if, if they don't have um, the bots, you know, the messenger bots, for example, on their side, they're missing that. I can easily do that. You know, that's a taster. You can create something like that, send it off to them and hopefully, Hopefully, you know, that will get their attention and you are more likely to win bigger contracts with them than somebody who's not engaged with them or provided any value to them at all. Yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, I've, I've seen this in practice. So a couple of years ago, I, I wanted to go to this startup conference called HustleCon. And I went to their website and I found an error in the ordering process, right? There is a bug in it. So what I did is instead of like complaining about, you know, how I can't get my ticket purchased or whatever. Right. I wrote to them and I said, hey, there's a bug in your ticket process. When you do this, this, this and this, this is how you repeat the bug. If it's this platform, this is how you fix this problem, because I already know how to fix it. Because, I mean, I've been doing websites and shit since the 90s. Right. So anyways, I told them that and they gave me my ticket for free. That's awesome. <laughs> so because I fixed it for them. Exactly. That's a brilliant example. That's a brilliant example. Yeah. And it got me connected with them. So, you know, now I have the email of a person who is not just the person who answers the contact form, right? It's somebody in the organization and we're able to have a conversation with them when we were there of people in their organization. And, you know, that may lead to them as a podcast guest or something, you know, and further conversations down the road. And that's what it's about, right? It's about getting those contacts and those relationships. Yeah. And I think for podcasts, it's even easier. I mean, I don't have my own podcast. At some point, maybe I, I would like to have one. But, but for podcasts, it's even easier because, you know, they can invite their dream prospects to interview on their podcast, right? And build a relationship that way, because what can be a better way than showcasing your client, give them a platform to reach more people, you know, it's sort of like, you know, rubbing their ego a bit. And then you, you start a relationship from there. You start building a relationship from there. Yeah. And like I contacted you through LinkedIn. Yes. And we've talked several times on LinkedIn. We've traded a couple of emails back and forth. We've been on audio a couple of times now. I mean, that's the kind of content and access to people that most people don't ever get. Right. And it's not just because of podcasts. It could be some other reason. Right. But yeah. 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 Once you can get a foot in the door with somebody and start having conversations, you can see if there's, you know, maybe there's some work we can do in the future together. Right. Or if I have a client and I see they've got tons of long form content and they've got nothing else, I can be like, oh, you should talk to Amber and, and she can repurpose this for you and get this out the door because you don't have time to do this yourself. Right. Or you don't know how to do it yourself. And 
Absolutely. I, th- I think when, once we, we get to know each other, that's the best thing about LinkedIn. I find out that when you build relationships, you, you figure out, you find out that actually there's a lot of opportunity for joint ventures or partnerships, right? Because, you know, I was on, I don't know if you, if you were on uh, Jay Abraham's live the other day, Sangram Avadra, he did a live with Jay Abraham on LinkedIn a few days ago. He was talking about, you know, people, when they start a business, they always go for the hard hardest clients, right? So one-to-one. So for example, say some uh, somebody who's a, who's a website developer, he's looking for uh, somebody who needs a website built, right? So you're going one-to-one. You're one-to-one looking for, hey, do you need a website built? Do you need a website built? Do you have a business? I can build a website for you. He said, well, the easier way would be, when you, especially when you're starting off and you're, you're short on resources, right? and limited capital to go for people who have already got your audience. So why are you looking for a person who needs a website? Why don't you go look for somebody who's already providing services to people who need websites, right? Which are other business owners, right? So you should be partnering up with them. And, and I think that is just so crucial. I learned that lesson very later on in my business life is that, you know, yes, that this is how we grow. You know, you just do pardon because that way it's beneficial to both parties, you know, both parties end up making money and building their database from it because you provide complementary services, but you, you benefit the same audience and that way you help each other grow. Absolutely. And you had mentioned Sumo earlier. Noah Kagan, I saw him give a talk uh, actually really long time ago now, about six, seven years ago. And he gave a talk to a bunch of startup entrepreneurs. And one of the first things that he told them when it comes to sales is that you need to sell in your own backyard first. Hmm. That is take the people that are in your kind of first and second level connections, right? People you know and people that those people know preferably locally and, you know, make sure that they're all aware of what it is that you're going to do and what your competitive advantage is. What is it that you're selling? How do they get it? What's the price structure? You know, make it really cheap or free if you need some testimonials and stuff, but just get that first kind of dollar of revenue or that first client locally so you could practice, you know, before you go out and start screaming to the heavens that everybody should everywhere should get your service. Right. Cause everybody goes, Oh, how am I going to reach thousands of people when they actually probably only need to reach like a hundred people total, right. To build an entire business or a thousand, like the, the idea of the thousand true fans, right. The thousand rate fans. Yeah, exactly. You have a thousand fans. Well, the idea behind that book was a thousand true fans was if you get a thousand fans, you should be able to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same with Dream 100 clients, right? These people already have your audience. They obviously are providing a complimentary service to yours to reach out to them for partnership that benefits both the parties, because obviously everybody wants to know what's in it for me. Right. So it has to benefit both the parties, but go to look for the partners who've got your audience and and work with them. So, you know, like you yourself, you were mentioning, you know, you you go to people who've who are already providing services to state agents. So you you can partner up with them to provide your services. And, and s- same thing for me. I, I would like to partner up with people with who are already providing some sort of services to content creators or podcasters or businesses with marketing teams. So we have a complimentary service that could help their business as well. And that way it's, you know, it's a win-win for both parties. 
Absolutely. And now let me ask you this. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you think would be beneficial to our listeners? Oh, yeah. Well, I often like to say that if there was like one thing I could teach uh, to another person or I could share with another person to make this world a better place or someone else's life better is basically this. And now I believe that now is the greatest time in history for purpose driven leaders to build meaningful connections with like minded people who believe in you and what you stand for uh, and what you can deliver. And the one message I'd like to share with, say, let's say your audience is is to give back even when you do not have anything, because I believe it's just a misconception, a misleading message to say, well, you know, if you want to do good in your life, first, you've got to make millions and then give a little bit to charity. Because giving doesn't have to be monetary only. It could be a polite response to make someone's day go right. It could be uh, helping your old neighbor carry groceries home. It could be sharing your knowledge that you have just acquired with at least another soul to make better their life or business. So if we can all make giving the center of business or our life, no doubt we will all find fulfillment and happiness in life, which even some of the wealthiest people on earth don't. So that would be my message to everyone. Yeah, I can't remember who said it, but somebody once said nobody ever went broke trying to help other people reach their dreams. Oh, wow. Yep. There you go. Absolutely. We'll leave it off there today. Amber, how can people reach out to you? The best way would be to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm sure we can provide a link to that. And also, if you're interested in repurposing your content, you already produce content, then you could check out repurposeden.com. All right. And we'll put those in the show notes that are available at hookseo.com slash podcast. And on LinkedIn, it's Amber Khan, A-M-B-E-R-K-H-A-N. Amber, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.